Welcome to the Adversity Podcast, where we're going to give you the tools and courage to fight misfortune, misery, mishaps, trials, ill luck, and the blows of life. And these are the stories and testimonials of actual people who fought against all odds in the journey to the top. You no longer live in fear of what eventually God would do to you. You don't live in your past relationships, mistakes, and hardship. You embrace adversity, and you use it as fuel. Don't let it slip. Hey, guys. Thank you for coming back to the Adversity Podcast. I'm Sunane Ayala, and today's podcast is going to be quite different. Today's podcast is about me. You're going to get to know me at a very personal level. And I actually learned a lot from this podcast. I decided to hire one of the world's best behavior analysts to analyze me so I can find out why I keep making the same mistakes that I keep making. Most of my life, I live my life by trying to justify my actions. I've always known that I was trying to do good, but sometimes things didn't turn out the way I want them to. And I will always try to justify them, keep making the same mistakes, whether it was driving or speeding or whatever the reason was. I never meant to hurt anybody. I never meant to really do anything out of my character. But it certainly looks that way sometimes when you keep making the same mistakes. You know, I keep getting into the same relationships. I keep getting into the same types of financial struggles. And all that is because I didn't understand myself and I didn't understand my behavior. And this one gets really personal and it gets really deep into me to the point where I'm just like, I just want to tell him to just please shut up. You know, just, I almost felt like I was getting picked on. And that is the exact behavior that was driving me to create my own adversity. And the only way to truly fix yourself is to understand yourself and to understand why you're doing things and to understand your mistakes and why you keep doing them. And I'm sure that a lot of you have had those relationships where you know they're not good for you, but you keep going back to them, whether it's friends or loved ones or family and relatives. And it's... And it eats us apart. Or we keep getting into the same type of legal troubles. Knowing. That if we keep making those same. Mistakes. We're going to get the same outcome. You know. Albert Einstein once said. The definition of insanity is. To keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that's pretty crazy. With that, I want to go ahead and start the podcast with you guys. I hope you guys enjoy it. And please listen to the end. There's a lot of information. I'm going to show you guys how to get a hold of him. So hopefully we can all work together and uh, pick up our spirits and move on and be those people that we know we deserve to be. Thank you guys and enjoy this podcast. Today I have Steven Sizzler and the reason I have him is because 
about a year or so ago, I listened to a podcast called The Art of Charm, and he was on it. And he does something very special or very unique. And he's a behavior analyst. And to me, it just amazed me. It's something I've been wanting to know, maybe something that I've always kind of hidden for myself. I thought that I kind of knew myself. But in the past few months, I've definitely hit a lot of obstacles. And when I hit those obstacles, I realized that I might need an outside perspective. So uh, with that said, I'm going to introduce you to uh, Steve Sizzler. And, uh, and I'm going to let him introduce himself, exactly what he does. And then I want to go into a little bit of a story mode. And I want to get into myself and exactly what we're doing today. Steven, how you doing? I'm good, Renee. Thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Okay, Stephen. Um, so I guess I want to start off with my audience um, asking you, what exactly do you do and what is your background? Okay. Um, I'm 53, so I'm pretty old. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm a behavioral profiler slash behavioral analyst. And what I do is I'm a people reader. So I work with organizations in about 18 countries. Uh, helping them understand how they're emotionally wired, what that looks like, how they view the world around them, and what they pay attention to in the world through simple measurements that I gain through really a short amount of questions. Once I have these questions, then it basically really gives me insight into how their brains work. And so at that point, I'm able to help them in their relationships, in their work, if they own a company, a team, um, their marriages, their children. We just did an event in St. Louis, Missouri, and we just had a woman circle back after the two-day event. She's been in therapy for two years, spent almost $5,000 in therapy. She's gotten more out of those two days than she did in uh, you know, two years of therapy based upon me running her through the system and helping her understand how her brain works. Wow. So those are kind of the things that I do. And, um, you know, I have a psychology background. I, I started college in psychology, but I dropped out. Um, I did end up going to seminary. I finished that, but, you know, that doesn't count. Um, other than that, uh, I'm very self-taught and very intuitive, and it's really given me a leg up in this industry. So I'm now pretty much in demand. Wow. How many behavior analysts are out there? Uh, I'm assuming there's thousands of them out there, um, uh, but not all behavioral analysts are the same and not all have the same level of intuition. So the intuitive piece is the most important piece because I, you have to, in my opinion, you have to be able to read between the lines that are between the lines in an effort to really dig down and find out you know, more about a person's style, which I'll be able to do with you here in a few minutes. Um, I don't feel I have any competition at all. I actually teach people who are analysts how to do this. Wow. And so. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually really considering taking the course with you. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, I do. Like, I want to learn how to read people because I want to learn how to influence people. And yeah. as I make this podcast, that's kind of what I hope to do. Because we always hear the stories of how people got rich. You know, they did great things. They beat the odds. But we never hear the story on what's going on 
throughout their life. And that's kind of what I hope to do with myself. Yeah. Kind of show people step by step, giving all my, you know, showing people being very transparent and showing people my income, what I'm doing, how much I got paid. You know, I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty details, but I'm definitely going to show the basics side of things. So they see my spending habits mm -hmm. and because uh, that's been a problem. Um, yeah. And uh, and I really feel like I am one of those people who are eventually going to do something great, and I hope to record it. If not, I'm going to look pretty silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and uh, well, the fishbowl life happens that way. <laughs> yeah. You know. So that's kind of what I. That's kind of what I'm hoping um, to find out about myself today. Really, oh. this is going to be the first podcast. And the reason for this is because I want people to know that I am a genuine person and I don't have any, you know, parents with a lot of money. If anything, it's close to the poverty level if, uh, for my parents, you know, and it was, uh, it was hard. I never felt like people understood me, you know, sometimes because of my mentality. I always felt like I, I always felt this urge in myself that I just wanted to become something that someday something great was going to happen to me yeah. and um and, and, I, and I want to start recording this and I've been through a lot of adversity and you told me a little bit about your right before the call I just found out because I didn't do enough research on on, on Steven that I which which I should have but I didn't but it came to a great surprise. So I, I'm actually kind of happy. Not that I didn't, because if not, I would have analyzed this way too much. But I do have a little bit of a problem with uh, just information paralysis, what I call. Um, yeah. And sometimes I don't, you know, it's hard for me to do things. So with that said, just from a little bit from what I heard, um, we, it was about a three-minute conversation. He told me he's actually been through some adversity himself. So with that, can you please tell me you, about your upbringing and, and why you decided to do this? How did your background, uh, your childhood, come to this? Okay, well, uh, my, uh, my childhood wasn't too bad at home. It was a normal family um, with, you know... Uh, you know, I had the clothes and we had a pool and a sailboat and a camper and um, my dad did pretty well for the early, the 60s and the 70s um, in our neighborhood. Um, my problem was in school and outside of the home. So my peer relationships were just terrible. So I was uh, diagnosed with hyperkinetic disorder, which they now call attention deficit hyperactive disorder. I was on Ritalin, the drug, um, to calm me down. Um, so I was one of those kids that, you know, King Solomon said, a fool's mouth invites a beating. And boy, was he right. Um, so I would just shoot off at the mouth, not really realizing. I mean, a, a large kid says something to me, and then I would say, I know you are, but what am I? You know, or something silly. <laughs> just out of nerves, being nervous. And I would get pulverized. Um, uh, I had a teacher pick me up on my hair in class and kick me in front of the whole class. Uh, kick me right across the room. Oh, is that what happened? Uh, yeah, that happened to me. I was put in a class with children that had Down syndrome because they, the teachers thought I was mentally retarded. Um, I was ganged up on all the time. I was knocked unconscious in the school grounds by 11 kids. Um, the police were called. Um, over and over again, I would suffer tremendous, you know, beatings. I was thrown through a wall once at school. 
Um, so, you know, sort of a human punching bag. Um, but as, as life went on, my father made me lift weights in the basement or I would be punished. Well, let's, um, let's, let's and, go back a little bit. When, when you had all that stuff going on, where you were getting beat up and you felt like you might've been, let's say mouthy at the wrong people. Do you know why you did it? Do you know now because of what you do, why you were doing it? Yeah, I was uh, uh, very um, what we call right-brained intuitive. Um, I had no awareness of errors and mistakes, and but looking at your profile, neither do you. Um, uh, the errors and mistakes piece means we tend to jump off the cliff and build our wings on the way down, so we become trial and error learners. So you learn by screwing up. So did I, and I still do. I don't watch somebody else do it the right way and then mimic it. Um, I do things my own way and it's half the time the wrong way. And that's how I learn. I mean, I carried a 16 foot extension ladder across a rooftop that you couldn't walk on if you were trying to walk on anything other than the peak of the roof and then tripped and fell. I mean, how lame is that? All because I was too lazy to build scaffolding and fell two stories, uh, cracked my head open, nearly died. Um, so, uh, you know, just a blindness to errors and mistakes. I'm playing soccer in a minefield and I don't know it's a minefield. So I have low, a low level of, uh, awareness when it comes to what could go wrong because I have a future brain and so do you, you have a future brain like I do. So we're always 10 steps ahead of ourselves. I'm looking forward to where I'm going, what I'm going to do. I don't think of what I've done and where I've been. So I, it's hard to learn from mistakes because as soon as I've made it, I forgot it. So I make the mistake again. I loaned $1,500 to somebody that never paid me back. So I loan money again. And so I don't learn from the last one. I have to learn from multiples. And then I finally get it when the pain gets strong enough. That's how my brain tends to operate. So that was partly why um, those things happened to me. Plus, you know, I was an easygoing kid. I was small. I was very skinny. I was an easy target. So um, I was actually the easiest kid to pick on. So they did, you know. Um, so it's a combination of things, I think, that, that attributed to that. Um, so anyway. So you were so that's great. Um, I don't want to say too much because I want to say this after we have the after we go through me, but I'm pretty sure you already know what I'm going to say. Um, so um, you were speaking about your dad. He had you bodybuild uh, yeah. or work out in the basement. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, he had me work out in the basement. If I didn't, I would be I would get in trouble. Have to go to my room or whatever. I mean, I wasn't ever hit or spanked for it, but I I, I knew I needed to do it because. He made me do it. Uh, what was interesting is I was doing that for weeks and weeks and weeks with no evidence that it was doing anything. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I can remember being in the bathroom in school, combing my hair in the mirror. And a kid walked in and he looked at me and he said, are you lifting weights? And when he said that, I was hooked. <laughs> and so... At that point, I ended up getting so big into it, I was on anabolic steroids. So by twelfth uh, grade, I was bent three hundred and fifteen pounds. I weighed one hundred and seventy. You cut off so that. I you, was. You, you cut off at uh, 
at uh, at twelfth grade. Oh, so um, uh, by the time I was in the twelfth grade, I was bench pressing three hundred and fifteen pounds. I only weighed one hundred and seventy. I was an arm wrestling champion, and um, you know, I was curling a hundred and. Uh, 45 pounds, and I was doing chest flies with 60-pound dumbbells weighing 170 pounds. So I would work out until I vomited. Wow. And I did that because my worth was in my size. So I wasn't a human being. I was a human doing. I was special as long as people looked at me and said, Oh, my God, Mommy, look at that big man when I was walking through the mall with my cutoff jerseys. And that's where I got my self-worth. So it's not a good, uh, it's not a good process. When I turned 21, I stopped and I dumped all my steroids down the kitchen sink because I knew I was, I was heading in a wrong direction because- Any um, post cycles? Pardon me? Did you use a post cycle? I, uh, I was on a pill form um, of Winstrol and I can remember gaining two pounds in my sleep one night. Um, but this was a lot of water weight. Uh, but I got very, very strong uh, because I had strong tendon strength anyway. Um, and so I dumped it all down the sink because I realized this is an obsession and it wasn't healthy. Um, and I stopped. And I've never gone back. But when you said you dumped all your steroids down the toilet, did you post cycle off of that, or was it just cold turkey? Cold turkey. Wow, the cold. that must yeah. have done a lot of damage. Yeah, cold. Uh, yeah, uh, I would be doing push-ups in my bedroom until I cried. I would do three hundred push-ups in less than 10 minutes. Did that take a toll on your body when you came off the steroids, just cold turkey? Like the estrogen levels kick up? Did you feel anything? Uh, I didn't notice it, but I would have these mood swings where I'd be crying and then not crying. If I couldn't work out, I would cry like a baby. Um, I would do one-handed push-ups until I collapsed with each hand, like 50 to 60 with each hand without stopping. Um, so I, I, what was happening was I was losing my identity in the weightlifting. So the weightlifting is who I was. I was not happy with who I was without it. So I needed that to boost my morale. But by the time I got to the point where I was getting rid of it, I was pretty, I was getting stronger in me as a person and being happy with who I was knowing that, okay, I need to make a life outside of this um, and, uh, and stop. And I did, and that's when I met my wife. I was I was married at age 21. I've been married 33 years, um, and so that kind of changed my allegiance. How from was that to her? Um, how many relationships did you have? I mean, how many girlfriends did you have before that? Uh, I had one serious girlfriend before my wife that wasn't too serious. It might have lasted a year, less than a year. I mean, I loved the girl, but. You know, she dumped me, which was my history. Every girl I ever dated dumped me. Every single girl I ever liked or went out with basically didn't like me anymore at some point. So that gave me a complex. Uh, And so uh, when I met my wife, um, you know, that obviously changed. And we're still together today. Um, But anyway, um, 
And what so is a lot of emotional trauma as a as a young kid. What is she like? Uh, what my was she like a at the stabilizer. time? Um, and uh, you know, she's a stable, stabilizing style. Very passive, uh, conflict avoider. Um, very kind, generous person. Um, and so I'm more of an aggressive, jump off the cliff, build your wings on the way down person. So I'm like a rhinoceros, bull in the china shop. Um, I mean, I'm 53 now. That's not affecting me at all. All my energy goes into my consulting business. I've learned how to channel everything that was once negative. I've turned it into a positive. I channel it all in the right directions to make a great life for myself. But, you know, electricity is great if it's, in, if it's you know, insulated in rubber and up on telephone poles. But if it's live in the street in a puddle, it's a disaster. And so I started off loose wires in the street, and now I'm hanging on poles, and therefore the whole city benefits from the electricity. So that's kind of how I view my life. I finally channeled my energy in the right direction. Okay. And would you say that you feel like maybe your wife was your salvation? Uh, no, I don't think that. Um, I think I started getting focusing. I started focusing on my studies in seminary. Um, I, I get very hyper-focused. I spent 15,000 hours reading the Bible, um, sometimes eight hours a day. So you're religious? No. <laughs> no, I, uh, I used to be. Um, I'm not anymore. Uh, I don't even go to church. Uh, but I spent so many thousands of hours studying the ancient uh, literature that it gave me a lot of insight into people. It's the best people book in the world, in my opinion. I still read it, um, uh, but I, would, I don't consider myself a religious person at all. Why are you not religious? Uh, well, you could get that in one of my books. It's a 30-year study in the Bible, and I wrote about it called The Freedom of Being. Um, it's 300 and some odd pages long, and it's really my take on all that. That's a, that would get us completely off track, I think. But okay, um, I'm. Uh, uh, give me, give me. I, I consider myself a spiritual person, but I am not a religious person. Where I basically believe this is the way it is. Everybody who doesn't believe that is wrong. I believe that's a form of insanity. Okay, you know, I'm. Wow, this is a. Uh... Wow, that's uh, actually pretty amazing because there's so much stuff I want to say right now, but I don't want to say it till you're done, you know, till, till we go through me. So what other adversities did you have? Is there anything else that you want to touch on that you feel like you, that people should know about you? Because this is the Adversity Podcast. We want to yeah. know why, you know, and, and how. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a few things, but I won't be able to bring up because I didn't get permission before the podcast about myself because they involve some other people. Um, but let me just tell you, I have been through some very terrible things, um, and have recovered. Um, can you maybe so, change the location and identity of the person? No, no, no I cannot. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Um, but, um, uh, but anyway, I have come through a lot and I write a lot about it, uh, in, in, in the freedom book, um, just so. You know, if you or anybody else wants to follow more of the story. Um, uh, but there are some things that I have not written about yet that I'm going to write about because uh, the other people involved, I don't know that they're fully rec recovered yet. Um, 
So anyway, um, do you want to know about you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's get into that because now you, there's so many things that you have said that it's just like I want to say something. I usually would, you know, and yeah. ask more questions about it. But I feel like if I tell you, it's you know, it might not work the same way if I just if I just hear it from you because I want to be a believer in this too. This is my yeah. first time ever doing this. Am I okay. was I a little skeptical? Of course. Am I still a little skeptical? Yeah. You know, and I want to be proven wrong. And I, when, you know, I could tell people who I am and what I, what I'm thinking and how I'm, I feel about certain okay. things, but it could just be boosting up my own ego, me putting myself down. Yeah. And, well, I, and, and with you saying, and someone with doing this as a profession, I think it'll be more authentic. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and start on me. Okay. So I'm gonna look first at your behavior set which means I'm looking at your four primary emotions and anybody's ever heard me on a podcast, I've been on many of them, they know what I'm about to say. Um, anger, optimism, patience, and fear, and those are the four primary emotions. And what I'm measuring, Renee, is you being your authentic self, meaning what I'm about to tell you is your emotions are set this way within your character set, which means um, your brain has negotiated the world up until now. So your upbringing, your home environment, where you were raised, your brain negotiates that environment and decides what do I have to do to survive and succeed this environment. All of our brains do that. And you decided you were going to plow through. And so your profile is a lot like mine. You are an optimistic rhino which means uh, you're a visionary. And your anger emotion out of 100 is coming in at a 98. And what that means is, is you need problems and challenges. Um, uh, if you don't have any, you're gonna create them. So you create problems and challenges for yourself and it will become your own worst enemy. Um, but the reason why you're doing it is because your brain desires to overcome. You like to overcome. You want to overcome adversity. You want to overcome circumstance. And you have a future brain. So you're looking at where you're going and you're trying to forget about where you've been. You're right-brained intuitive, which means you operate out of your limbic system, which is the survival part of your brain. So I would say, Renee, you're a survivor, my friend. Um, and people like you have a way of figuring it out. You're going to be a late bloomer. You're going to bloom in your 40s. Oh, uh, why so late? Yeah. No, listen, it'll be a fun ride up to that point. Um, but you're going to bloom late because it's going to take you a while to figure out who you are. Um, and so it's okay because people who bloom late tend to bloom great. And that's a promise. Um, oh, man. You have a very low tolerance for sameness so you need the circumstances always to be changing because you get bored really easy i would imagine um, uh, you also have a huge independent streak meaning you want to be independent of everything not depending on anything and so you live in independence in the world um, and what that means is you don't like being told by anybody what to do. 
Um, and so you want to figure it out for yourself. You want to hoe your own road. You want to make your own way. You want to pave your own street. That's your style. Um, how are we doing so far? So far, very good. A little, I want to say, a little emotional at the moment. Um, uh, almost, I would. I want to say, like, just shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, it's um, because I forties. I don't know if I can afford that much time. Honestly, this, this doesn't mean you won't be successful until you're in your forties. It means by the time you get to your forties, you're going to go from shooting a shotgun into a field hoping you hit something to being a sniper. Okay? So okay. you have a buckshot approach to the world right now, if you know what that means. I, I Think get, of a double-barrel shotgun. You shoot a door. It's a big, wide pattern of BBs that just hits everything. Okay? You're like a fire hose. Um by the time you're in your late 40s, you're going to be a laser beam. Okay. Pinpoint you know, laser beam. Very different. Well, the reason I say that I'm kind of worried about that is because I'm currently working on a project that I really feel is going to change the skydiving world forever. Mm -hmm. You know, and I just, I can't afford any more mistakes. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait until I get to the other part of this. Okay, let's um, just keep going. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, your, your style is many starts and stops, okay? You have a very creative mind. And from what I'm looking at, you're an innovator. You have a very innovative brain. You actually look like, to be honest, a teacher. You have a brain that can take information and break it down and teach it to other people. Um, now, as you mature and grow, these skills will develop better, you know, they'll become more and more pronounced. But this is a profile of somebody who, like, teaches at a university. Um, you look like you have a very above-average intelligence to me, looking at this profile. Um, and to be honest, um, 7 out of 10, 7 out of 10 Americans sit between basically 35 and 55 when it comes to wanting to know more. Okay, so their cognitive ability, their need to get to the bottom of things and investigate and learn. Seven out of 10 Americans are between 35 and 55. You come in at an 80 which means you will learn more by accident than some people are learning on purpose. So you have a very strong mind that takes in a lot of information. We call it a large catchment area. Your brain sucks in information from everything around you and assimilates it very quickly. And then you come up with innovative ideas. You are what we call a freedom seeker. You're seeking freedom and autonomy in the world to do your own thing, drive your own car, be your own boss. This kind of a life is what you're seeking and you're likely going to find it. Um, you have an entrepreneurial profile. So you, you, you can spot wasted time, wasted energy, wasted money. Even though you seem wasteful in your behavior, it's because you're like a kid in the candy store in the world. 
your brain sees everything and wants to try it. I want to try that. I want to try that. You know, you, you believe there's 101 ways to skin a cat, not just one way. So this is what we call a multi-threaded problem solver. You want to be an independent, autonomous agent. You're very flexible. You're like a Corvette. So no matter how fast you go, you can get off the exit if you need to without flipping the car over. So it's a very flexible. You can switch gears really fast and change highways really quickly. Uh, very, very powerful. So when I get a profile like this, Renee, your profile is the type of person who can fall into the sewer and come out smelling like a rose. Like you always find a way. And I don't know anything about you. You called me. I told you I would do this for you. Um, but I would bet any adversity or any situation or any wall you've ever been against, you found a way out all the way through your past. You always find a way out. There's always a crack in the wall with you. And so that tells me that's what you'll continue to do in the future. Thoughts, comments on that? Well, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I see that. I definitely have seen that. And at the end, I'm going to tell you kind of what I'm dealing with right now. And, and then I want you to tell me what I can do to fix that, which is pretty, uh, which I, I'm hoping that with this information, I can uh, maybe better myself, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I can sharpen myself quicker, faster, stronger, and not have to deal with the problems. I, I, I understand that I, that I learn by mistakes. I've known that because I've hit the wall so many times. Mm -hmm. You know, I've lost so many times. But it's just like, I mean, when I look at all these companies like Uber, like they own zero taxis, but they... <laughs> I mean, they're a taxi service company. You know, mm -hmm. places uh, like like eBay, they sell, they, they sell zero inventory, but they sell all this inventory. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm just looking at all these things, and I'm like, there has to be a way. The world cannot be this way. It has to be a better way. There just has to be. And, you know, and I'm, and I, get, I think that's what you're saying about the shotgun approach. Mm -hmm. You know, um yeah, well, Renee, um, your brain is on fire. I mean, I said this earlier, a kid in a candy store. What do I buy? What do I get? Oh, my God, it all looks so wonderful. That's how you view the world, like a candy store. And you have, remember, you have a very innovative brain. Um, and so it's going to take you some time to calm down, so to speak. Your brain is, is very active. You have a very, very active, not a passive, an active profile, which means you, you leap before you look. You fire the gun before you aim. So you tend to, because you're spending a lot of time in your limbic system, you're very reactive rather than Proactive. So this is more right very brain. busy rather than productive. Okay. So as you get older, uh, this will this will change. Am I coming in? Okay. Yes, you are. Yeah, I have uh, somebody uh, listening in as we're as we're speaking about, and he's like kind of commenting me on you a little bit. Um, but 
Yeah, I completely, uh, I, I can definitely see that. What are the troubles that I could possibly run into being this way? Well, I mean, uh, there's a lot of things you'll start out putting a lot of energy into, and then one or two years later, you'll be like, you won't want to do it anymore. Okay. okay. It, you, you will have a lot of starts and stops. Because you make decisions based upon how you feel. When you feel good, it's a good day. When you feel bad, it's a bad day. So you're, when you feel good about doing a certain thing, you'll do it. But now that you're not feeling good about doing it, you won't do it still. Because you like to involve yourself with things that make your brain feel good. And you're going to learn that there are some things you have to keep doing even though it doesn't feel good, but it's good for you. That's, the, that's what you're going to develop and learn. Um, and so, uh, how old are you? I'm 28. You're a kid. You know, my daughter's 27. Um, so, you know, you've got, you'll probably live to 130. Wow. Based upon the technology today, where the world is with science and medicine. Um, the younger generation right now, they're going to live long, longer than the last generation did. Well, that's kind of weird because I've, I've gotten into, uh, <laughs> I guess you can call it human hacking or, uh, or biohacking as, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I've, I really would like to live forever, but unfortunately there's some things that I do that, you know, that can really shorten my lifespan. <laughs> yes, that's right. I mean, you know, people with your profile, they, they're very risk driven. Um, you take huge risks, I would imagine, with your profile. It's not that you're not smart. You are very smart, but your brain uh, needs these problems and challenges and wants to take these risks. Um, you know, you're, uh, you're Han Solo, who takes the Millennium Falcon right into an asteroid field. How smart is that? But in the end, who saves the day? Han Solo. You see, that's you. So, you know, you've likely got a very good future. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't change some of the world with your profile. Um, but what I sense in you is a strong need base. You need to do something. If you don't do something, so you got to be careful you don't end up a human doing and not a human being. In other words, if you don't do anything significant or come up with some kind of a concept that changes the world, then you're not worth anything. That's absolutely not true. It's not true at all. Um, you could be a great father. You could be a great husband. You could be a great worker. You could be a great anything. You've got tons of potential here. Um, start out small. Um, don't get, spread yourself too thin by getting involved in too many things. Pick one or two things and put a lot of energy in it and don't waste your time with things that tempt you um, and center down. It's going to be hard to do that. You might be a candidate for some Adderall um, that help you quiet down and settle down a little bit and focus. Um, there's a great book out there called Magnificent Mind at Any Age by Dr. Amen, A-M-E-N. Um, I'll make sure to plug you, that in. It tells you how to eat in a way that will support the brain type that you have. Um, and so, uh, anyway, I'm looking at somebody here, Renee, that looks very smart, very innovative, um, very uh, uh, industrious, 
very driven, um, but probably insecure. Um, as soon as you start finding security in who you are and not what you accomplish or what you do, things will happen for you. Listen, I didn't start doing what I'm doing because I wanted to get rich and I wanted to make a lot of money. I started doing this so I could help people. When you have a mindset that says, what can I do to make a difference in the world? Money follows. It typically doesn't proceed. And so, um, you know, what's really interesting is your style develops a lot of crisis. You'll find yourselves in different, you'll feel yourself in different kinds of crises. What's interesting, the word crisis comes from a Hebrew word that means birthing stool. It's the stool that women would stand on to birth children. Crisis is an opportunity to give birth in the world. Crisis is an opportunity to bring life in some way. So in crisis, we can choose to give birth to something that can be great and wonderful or something that can be stillborn and not be great and wonderful. So in adversity, we have to make a choice. Are we going to run towards the battle or away from it? Your, pri your profile runs right into the fray. You run right into the bullets. That's the kind of a profile you have. That's Han, so that's Han Solo driving the Millennium Falcon right into the asteroid field. That's me, you know, telling the bully, I know you are, but what am I? That's the need for problems and challenges and to overcome and to conquer. You have a taking orientation in your personality, which means if you, you believe that anything worth anything or anything desirable lies outside yourself and you must hunt it down and kill it and bring it home. That's how your profile believes. You also are an attractor. You believe that people are like commodities with market value. So you probably think it's not as much what you know, but who you know. Um, and so associating with the right people, being in the right forums, in the right groups, knowing the right things, being around the right inventions, all these different things will support you in attracting all the good things in the world to you. So you're like a human magnet. So you will attract good things. You, I, you know, apart from the profile, just talking with you and looking at you, you have, I have a good feeling about you. You have a good spirit. Um, and that's going to take you a long ways. Um, so you've got a very intriguing profile and to just be honest with you, some of the most successful people I work with have your graph. It's just a matter of time. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so what, what about like, you know, my relationships in, uh, um, whether it's with some, with a woman or family or workers, what is this? What do you see there? Well, you have a heightened awareness about what other people are thinking about what you're doing. Okay, you're performance driven. If you perform well, then you are well. If you perform bad, you are bad. And so, you want to really practice being yourself because you'll be tempted to try to be something different when you're around people you want to impress. And uh, I'm the same way. But I'm is, the same way. But isn't that, I mean, I feel like that's kind of a broad statement because you could pretty much say that to anybody. No, you can't say that to anybody. 
No, there are some people that aren't, don't think like that at all. Do you think Donald Trump cares what anybody thinks? No, but you know, the questions that you were asking on this prof, uh, on, on, on this test that I did for you, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, I would see, I would see how Donald Trump would answer, but I was kind of looking at the questions at what would I want my kid to be like. That's kind of how I answered the questions because I felt like that's the way they should be answered versus what I'm thinking because I felt if I answered it for myself, I could possibly be lying about what I want to do and say. Well, so, if that's how you answered the profile, in, 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 in the a, profile is going to be completely inaccurate. Well, that's well, like I said, that's kind of how I felt like I should answer it. And the reason why I was feeling like that was because I had a sense of guilt. Mm -hmm. You know, so therefore I was like, you know, I stumbled around and answering the questions that I just kept on having to ask myself out loud. Like, am I, am I being honest? Is this okay. answering the question? Do questions? you feel like you were honest in answering the questions? Yes. I had to go back on one at, at the first, the first questions that you asked. I actually mm -hmm. had to go back and change them because the way I was thinking. Okay. You know, All right. Well, if you answered it truthfully for yourself and not your children, then we've got a good read. But if you answered it as if you think you would want to answer it, but it isn't who you are, then it's completely off. It's completely wrong. Um, and it won't help you at all. It'll actually do nothing for you. Well, I can tell you that um, I did it right because you're pretty much hitting the painful points of my life. Well, I, okay. Well, not, nothing I said really should be painful in itself because there's no right or wrong to the graph. Your graph looks a little bit like mine. Um, uh, and so uh, your level of personal security in the world, though, is going to determine how you see it. You see it in a negative light or are you seeing it in a positive light? Um, uh you know, I mean, I barely graduated high school. So what? I don't care. You know, that, that, that's very interesting because nobody thinks, no one would ever think that were true that knew me. Um, I tell people that and they're like, what? Is that a joke? A lot of my clients thought I had a PhD. So uh, what is smart? Passing a test? Well, if that's true, I'm an idiot. I couldn't pass any of my tests. They had to put me in the library stockroom in the school, all alone with a light at a table with no one in there so I could pass the test. Wow. See? So I got terrible grades. D. I got a D in math. The only reason why they gave me a D is because I could draw shapes and geometry. <laughs> but I had to take a special class to graduate because my, my grades were so low. <clears throat> So, um, was not really a candidate for college. I couldn't go to college now. I wouldn't succeed in college right now. I wouldn't be able to, I tried to take a free course at Yale and I, I couldn't pass any of the tests. Studying my brains out, couldn't pass. Reading the books, couldn't pass the test. I gave up on it. So, um, what does that say about me? It says I'm not a good test taker. That's all. You see? So... Um, what am I good at? That's a whole nother story, you see? And so, 
you know, um, anyway. Wow. Uh, it, where are we at in the profile? Are we, uh, is that about it or is there more? I could talk about this for six hours. Okay. <laughs> so there's plenty more, but we're at 45 minutes here. I don't know how long your podcast goes. It usually uh, goes an hour, but I want to go a little bit more just because I want to tell you a little bit about myself once we're done. But I definitely want to hear a little bit more. What can a person or just go ahead and continue and I'll ask the question a little bit later. Or should I start asking questions now? Go ahead and ask some questions. Okay. What does this person like do? Uh, what does a person like me do to uh, succeed now versus 40 years from now? Well, you can succeed now. It doesn't mean in 40 years you're a success, but until then you're, you're a loser. It means that as you grow, you get better. You're like wine. The longer it sits, the better it gets. So it doesn't mean you're not successful. Now, I had another business for 18 years before I did my consulting firm. Hmm. Okay? All through my late 20s, all through my 30s, I had a business. And I can't, and, you know, you could too. So it doesn't mean you're not successful. It means you finally find yourself. You hone into what you're really skilled at later, not sooner. Okay? okay? That's all that means. So blooming means you come into your own. The, the average American changes jobs three times. Careers, I mean. Three times. And in the end, what they do, they never went to school for. So, welcome to Earth. Okay, what about, what does it say about relationships? Because at the current time, I'm, you know, I'm single. And I want to yeah. kind of want to know what, what type of maybe relationships should I be looking for? Well, um, uh, you got to be careful you're not looking for your worth in a relationship or you're not going to develop a need-oriented relationship. In other words, some people need a relationship. They don't want a relationship. Well, what's the difference, Steve? Well, if I want a wife, I found a good one. If I need a wife, I'll marry anyone. So when we end up in a need space, then what happens is we settle for things. Because we don't believe in ourselves enough to believe that we're worthy for something better. So we look for anything instead of something. Okay. So let me specify the question. So there's four categories, correct? And your wife is a what category again? Uh, what do you mean? Okay. You said uh, you were more of a rhino and your wife was more of a... Oh, she's a stabilizer. A stabilizer. Okay, so what type of relationship am I looking for? You'll likely be attracted to a stabilizing person to help keep your feet on the ground because you're a hot air balloon. You keep floating away. Huh, that's interesting because I always thought I needed somebody that pushes me harder and faster and stronger. You know? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, unless your profile's upside down. No, but, you know, it says, um, I kind of was expecting for you to say that after you, after you told me about yourself, because I'm about to reveal something to you that you don't know about me yet. Um, I was also considered possibly retarded in school. I was also in special ed education. I also didn't graduate from high school, but it wasn't until I really needed to do something 
Then I decided, you know what? I'm going to get this GED. So I went to school. Two weeks later, boom, I got it. It was, it was, it was, it was pretty weird. Um, but the whole time, I actually thought I was, I was retarded. I thought I was stupid. I thought I was not very smart. Well, you're far from stupid from what I'm looking at. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and as far as the Adderall, I take Modafinil. Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people use it as a nootropic. Mm-hmm. Um, illegally. Um, um, I use it for narcolepsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and it just happens to be something that uh, it's kind of like Adderall. And I enjoy it. And I like it. You know, it really keeps me... Uh, it really keeps me focused and and uh, yeah. and I like it. But um that's interesting. Um, um you know, and as the older that I get, I see that that's probably the type of person I should be with. Um for me, I always seem to date way out of my league. Like girls that are extremely beautiful. And what I feel is sometimes out of my league, but they're not very maybe intelligent <laughs> yeah well what's happening is uh you're going after the cover and not the book that's why okay uh, because the better they look the better you feel about yourself you got it man that's uh that's that's probably i mean i'm gonna so say your dating true. is not to have a relationship is to feel good in the world yeah and that's why you do that. And you don't ever want to date for that reason because it's all upside down. It, it'll never work. That relationship won't work. That's I'm very, very unhealthy. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> Next time I decide to date somebody, I'm going to run it through your test. <laughs> Make sure we both fit. Uh, is, that, is that something we can do? Well, I mean, I think what you want to do is run your own motives through your own test. Meaning, why am I dating this person? And you want to make sure it's for the right reasons and not the wrong reasons. Um, and you don't want to date anybody to feel better about yourself. You want to date somebody so you can, you know, a, a relationship is about what can you do for them, not what they can do for you in any way. Not that that won't happen, but if that's the premise, then you will be disappointed, disillusioned, and that relationship won't work. Okay. It won't last. It's impossible. Okay. All right. Um, well, as you probably already know, I'm a skydiver, and I'm always looking to travel. I'm always looking just to kind of, I'm always looking for the edge on everything. You know, I always feel like I can push myself harder, 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 and harder. And sometimes there's a lot of consequences for that. I got into some legal troubles, and that is the reason why I made this podcast because I felt like I was done I was in law enforcement hated it you know I went through EMT decided I didn't want to do it you know and people ask me about my business like oh you're gonna own this business yeah I want to own the business I want to make technology I want to create it and then I want to sell it. I don't want to deal with the business which you touched on that which I was very surprised that was, I think that was probably the first time where I actually raised my eyebrow because you said I would be a person that starts something and stops and goes you know, and I think that's who I am. Yeah, you're very scattered. Um, and like I said, by the time you get into your 40s, you'll have it all figured out. Until then, it's trial and error. Yeah. Not that you can't make money, enjoy yourself, have a good time. 
Um, but that's what it's going to be. It's not a plan. You don't plan. Your brain doesn't know how to plan. Is that good or bad? It's neither. Your brain doesn't know how to plan, so don't. You have to be aware that you don't plan. I don't plan either. So there's certain things I won't get involved in because you need a plan to do that. So I don't do it. So it's one thing to know who you are. It's another thing to know who you're not. Um, it's actually better to know what you're not because then um, you're not going to waste time, energy, or money. You know, and that kind of explains on why I do the things that I do. You know, I usually have the idea and I hire somebody else to do the other part. You know, or just that's just kind of the way I've worked. You know, if somebody, if I feel good about somebody and I feel like they can do it, I usually go ask somebody else to do it versus me doing it myself. How can people reach you? Uh, well, they can take a free version of this test that gives them a limited output. And they have to upgrade if they want to do the whole thing. But at freebrg.com um, and uh, or behavioralresourcegroup.com, if you want to go there, stevesisler.org. But freebrg.com will get you right into the test and you'll get some result that will give you an idea of how you're wired. And then you can go and upgrade from there if you want to. Well, to get to talk to me. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Uh, this is really eye-opening. I'm glad that I did it, and thank you so much for coming on such short notice. I just, uh, I really feel like this is what people need to know about me, you know, from somebody else's perspective, as I mentioned before. Now I feel confident that my audience knows me, knows my struggle, and I can definitely continue with my podcast. Well, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And we'll see you next time.